0: Download the
1: episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special
0: thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at newbalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesback.
1: You can also help support the podcast by visiting patreon.com slash behind the racket pod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now.
0: So before we get to our podcast with Australian Open finalist from one year ago, Luke Saville, the Australian doubles specialist who still furthers his career on the single side as well, wanted to kind of give you guys an update on where Noah and I are, where we are with life. Um, Before we get into it, um, Noah joining me via the Bluetooth here uh, on, on the old uh, mixing board that we have here. How are you?
3: I'm okay. I'm okay. I just uh, jo- dropped Jamie off at the airport. It'll be a few weeks, and she'll actually meet me in Las Vegas uh, for my birthday uh, after I play a future here in the U.S. So yeah. getting ready to go down to Florida, it is... I am actually hungering down a little bit. We're supposed to have, I think, like 16 inches of snow tomorrow, so... Right.
0: Yeah, I'm not moving. Um, okay, um, so I'm. I'm. What about you? I'm. I'm at, in Tulsa. We've we've just had a lot of rain. It turned into snow. Like both of my parents in Illinois have snow. My dad has like twelve inches, roughly, of snow today. As I, we wake up on Sunday morning, sent a picture to us this morning. Uh, I, I'm I'm struggling a little bit watching the the Australian summer of tennis. Um, I'm. I, I, obviously, I decided not to go with the idea of quarantine being gone for at least four weeks from, from my daughter. Um, and I again, my thank you to Tennis Australia for giving me as much time as I needed to make that decision and giving me opportunity and space should I want to come. And I'm really, really grateful. And, and I know that um, the American commentators that went, I think the only two... I'm, Oh, no, I, there are three. Kevin Skinner, Nick McCarvel, and Jill Krabus I believe, are the three <laughs> American commentators for the World Feed team that went down there and seeing their pictures and, and everything. Uh, I'm so jealous that they're just walking around Melbourne. There are people at the <laughs> exhibition in in Adelaide, and then competition started on the WTA side yesterday. And I, I, I'm jealous and at the same time just really sad that, you know the, the 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 rest of us the rest of us in the world don't have the same opportunity, um, you know that they do down in Australia. I'm they they sacrificed. Don't get me wrong, they sacrificed right. a lot and had a really difficult quarantine. We'll talk with Luke Saville about that coming up in just a little bit. But uh, I, I, it's such a sacrifice. But now the rewards are so great compared to what the rest of us are experiencing in life.
3: Honestly, it's even tough to see the ball right behind your head. I see the AO up there yeah. and my anger kind of turned to jealousy and sadness as well. I mean, there's two reasons. One, you know, to see people having the ability to play and well, the warm weather helps, but to play free in front of fans and like having that excitement, you know, it is, there is a jealousy there. Um, I think as well, you know, it's just, it's just difficult to see tennis as a whole being played with such ease, you know, when we were struggling here um, to kind of make it. And then as, as well as people don't always remember, we brought up a few times, but Australia last year, especially for qualifiers was like kind of the first time we heard the word quarantine. You know, this was the fire that started in 2020. And for us, you know, I feel like I haven't had that, you know, real Australian open Melbourne experience in some time now, you know, like it's been a few years. So, disappointing not to be out there obviously i decided not to go to quali's which was in the middle east and didn't really give me the opportunity but um disappointed nonetheless so it's i'm happy for the guys i really i just want them to now get past the quarantine mentality and just like okay we're here yeah. you know whatever happens i get the best of five is going to be tough there's going to be a lot of you know barriers but for right now play some tennis, you know, let's, let's see if we can enjoy it because I feel like the hype has been built so much. I mean, we've spoken about this on the side where like, has it started yet? Has it not? Because you see these videos for so many weeks, but um, hopefully the excitement is still going to be there once the the ball drops. kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And I know that you and I, we, we almost recorded a podcast about our, our feelings about the people in quarantine and, and, and the complaining and and whatnot. And I think it was probably for the best uh, that we we didn't, um, and and I think <laughs> I think most of our listeners would probably know where we where we stand on on that. Um, all things considered, but yeah, that 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 part was I think frustrating for us as as well. But yes, you know, it's 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 a complex question. You know, you you can you know it as a competitor if you're not able to really go at it for two weeks and then have to suddenly go at it. That's a that's a tough ask, and we we certainly know that. So um, the complexity, of the feelings. You're you're seeing, um, I think, uh, people's personalities um, are really coming through in these difficult on moments. On display, and <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I think I I don't want to speak about it too long here, but I think there are definitely some um, some people that I'm having to realize I just can't associate with anymore, if I'm being perfectly blunt, and I just. I'm so appalled at, at some of the behavior that I just find myself like I I don't have any use for them. And I, I think we've all had to kind of make those decisions, especially here in the States, the political discussions and, and all that that have happened. But yeah, these last, this last month, there are definitely some people who I'm just like, okay, I can live without you now.
3: Yeah. I mean, for better or for worse, it's definitely highlighted the situation, you know, whether it's tennis, whether it's people, personality, whatever the case may be, it's been on display. So Seeing it, you know, up to hand, especially on social media, where yeah. like you have time to think about things and then post them. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not. You and I are definitely not perfect, and I've done it. But yep. you know, I like to think that most of my posts, you know, I've at least thought them through whether they're going to have negative impact or not. But it's it's a little bit disappointing to see some of this stuff. So you know, I just hope they take this moment to reflect a little bit, which you know, 50% of them have. You know, I like yeah. to say. Yeah. And you know, let's just play some tennis. Hopefully, no other distractions after that. And because we don't, again, we don't know what the next at least four months looks like. You know, who knows, by the time U.S. Open, we could be in a different place. But at least for the next four months, especially looking at the states and a few other areas, we don't have tournaments. So enjoy the fact that you're here now, you did the time, quote-unquote, and now you're ready to play some tennis.
0: You won a tennis tournament, um, a UTR yeah. event down in Florida a few weeks ago. Um, it's it's obviously different playing a UTR event than it is an, an ATP whether it be a challenger or a futures, um, it, it kind of walk us through uh, how you handled the pressure. Considering it's a different type of pressure than it has been for you over the last several months.
3: Yeah, you know, at times I kind of forget. You know, and, and this is going to come off arrogant, so bear with me, people. Um, you know, getting to a level that I don't necessarily play it all the time. You know, I've done probably a future a year. I did it right before I won Tallahassee. Uh, the year before that, I did actually, after I won my first round at Del Rey 250, I went back to a future just to get extra matches for whatever the reason. But, you know, a lot of the players there kind of put you on a pedestal. You know, whether it's me and Stefan, they put him on a pedestal as well. Um, you know, it actually, it kind of puts it in perspective a little bit. You're like, wait, even after, you know, usually I'm not playing that well prior to it, even after a few bad losses or not feeling well, like, these people still consider you to be extremely good tennis players. And you almost forget that situation sometimes. Um, with that is the positives of like, wow, like, you know, it is okay. Like everything can still be okay. We could still come back from this. And, you know, the only negative would come is, is the pressure that, you know, uh, affiliates with something like that. And, you know, getting through the first couple rounds, it's like a what happens is uh, it's a round robin of, I think, eight draw, no six or eight draws or something like that. And then the top player from each, oh yeah, eight. So the top player from each goes into the quarterfinal three draws. You know, one person from each doesn't play, and then you have three second draws, three draws, and then the top draws for the for the winner, which I was a part of. Um, so you, I played six matches, and you know, at any level to get six wins under my belt feels good, um, especially under that pressure and not giving up more than four games a set. Um, you know, whether whatever people want to say about the level of tennis. I was happy with my display. I was happy to get matches out there. Um, you know, for me right now, it's it's trying to find you know that happiness on the court. You know, the enjoyment, the the factors away from trying to be top hundred in the world um, because that's not going to come, or even if it does come, the happiness won't follow. You know, I've seen that before when I hit milestones. So it's really being honest to myself and saying, hey, what what is it going to take for you to be happy? Um, so it's good for the UTR to have so many of these tournaments. You know, there are definitely things they can improve upon. Do I want to, you know, go into those now? I don't because, you know, this is early on for them. So let's see, you know, what they come back with, but just to have those kind of matches for a different, a lot of players, especially now with futures getting canceled left and right. Yeah, It's, uh, it's nice to be out there playing and I'll, uh, be playing possibly one or two more of them. I, I they're literally, like I think every week now I keep looking and like few in Barcelona and few in Florida and California has one a week, I think. So it's, uh, Good for them to get this kind of cash to, to make it happen.
0: Yeah, and then you've got the futures coming up, and I I saw the player entry list. I saw Mitch is on it, Mitchell Kruger, uh you Kozlov is on it, uh, J C Aragoni. I mean, it's a okay. it's a pretty decent level for a, for a futures.
3: Yeah, I mean, you have to expect that. Again, you're looking at the at least the U S um, schedule. You know, we had a few that canceled on us already. You know, you're looking towards the summer, and you have like what seven futures, maybe three or four challengers, you know, we're looking towards the summer. So people are, you know, picking and choosing. And and for some players, they're fine with going overseas. I know, I think Eubanks is is going to South Africa. Pretty sure Ty is thinking about going to Italy. Mm -hmm. You have players like that that are thinking about going overseas. And, you know, me personally, I'm on the mindset to do that. And I don't know about other players. And and it comes down to ranking as well. Uh, You know, these are going to be tough cutoffs for a lot of these tournaments. So you have to pick and choose. And real quick, guys, I just kind of reactivated my Twitter, my personal one. I'm not sure if you guys knew that I was off of it for a while, but I feel a little bit better. I created my habit of you know not posting, so I feel comfortable. And um, just seeing the comments on the Patreon podcast that we did of how emotional, and I really appreciate the support. It was kind of, even though we were a little tipsy, it was tough for us <laughs> to do that, and then uh, post it out uh, to the world. So, I mean, the feedback that we got uh, was amazing, and I really hope people enjoyed it, because uh, bearing our soul a little bit out there So it was it was easier said than done But once we posted it, we were a little A little <laughs> nervous for the reaction, yeah. so thank you guys
0: Our guest today Is Luke Saville, the Australian As we mentioned, he was a finalist In last year's Australian Open Doubles draw, he and Max Purcell, who is was a uh, for me, I know it was a final I was greatly interested in, considering on the other side, the winners, Rajiv Ram, the former University of Illinois All-American, and Joe Salisbury, another guy who has come through the the challenger ranks over the last couple of years, has Purcell and Savile did as well. Um, what Luke is a couple of years ahead of you, um, but I know he was somebody that was very much on your radar when you were a junior as well, Correct.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, it was somebody that I watched
3: um, kind of my first year breaking through the ITF junior circuit. Um, I lost to Peliwu in, I think it was either round 16 or quarters of French Open juniors, and this was the year that, like, they battled it out, you know, yeah. going to sit that on Grand Slams, and, you know, it was interesting to see. Both of them were kind of in this similar situation. I think Peliwu might have been a little higher regarded, but they were both players that people thought, you know, this is a top-under breakthrough yep. within the next two to three years, and, you know, both of them, I think, what, you know, breaking through at least the top 250 fairly quickly, if I'm not mistaken, but then the road from there was, was difficult, and I know they both went back to around three 400 in the world at time, right. um, and still trying to push their way back. I Obviously, I think Luke got to around 150 is a high ranking, so it's interesting to see kind of that pressure, and then now to see that translate to the level of doubles I don't know about you I wouldn't have guessed that it would have trans his game would have translated that well
0: I He's I did
3: very smart yeah okay yeah I, I like the way he thought on the court I yeah. saw him moving well even when I played him in Tasmania first round and it was very difficult he saw the court differently you mm-hmm. know he couldn't do everything with the ball he wanted to but what he did well he did very well he moved very well and he saw the court uh, but earlier on, when I saw him, I didn't expect him to be as good of a doubles player. So great to see the su- success that he's had and excited to talk to him.
0: So here is our interview that we recorded last week as he prepared for the ATP Cup, which will start, I guess it'll be tonight if you're listening on Monday, Monday night, Tuesday over there in Australia. It is our interview with Australian Luke Saville. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg. it's great to have you on Sav. And, uh, number one, uh, I don't like the fact that you always kick my ass in fantasy football. That's frustrating for me. Uh, but the main question that people want to know Sav, is, uh, how is tofu sausage? Uh, how, how is the the preparations for tofu sausage going for the Australian open?
2: Yeah, that's the, um, that's the hard hitting question, Mike. No, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, preparation's going really well. Um, obviously there's been a bit of talk about the bubble here. Um, you know very fortunate and happy that I've already done my hard quarantine um end of November early December when I go back from Europe and it's it's been tough for a lot of those guys but you know I think Australians in a selfish way we can use it to an advantage if you like a little bit you know we've been training um you know getting as many hours as we need um and those guys are doing it reasonably tough but yeah you know personally um, I couldn't be in better shape um to be honest coming into the ATP Cup on Tuesday. Um, that's a huge opportunity for me. Um, my first time representing Australia, you know, since Junior Davis Cup ten years ago. So it's it's a you know a big occasion for myself. And then the Australian Open um, the week after. So preparations going really well. Um, you know, hitting a fair bit um, and really just looking forward to some competition now. Uh,
0: it's it's one thing for us here in the states, obviously, Sav to kind of look from afar and see what all everything that's happening with the quarantine and and everything like that what's it been like from your perspective uh, in terms of kind of how you're consuming the media how the Australian response is are are people actually mad at, at these tennis players who are complaining a little bit what's what's the general feel there if you can give it to us
2: yeah early days when the players got here and they were sort of stuck in their room for two three four days and then then there was a few of the positive cases that came out on the planes, and a few were stuck in hard quarantine for 14 days. And you know, obviously, Australians that have travelled abroad, um, you know, last year and the start of this year, it's mandatory for the 14 days. Um, you know, cooped up in a in a hotel room, unable to leave. So, you know, when there was a few complaints and whatnot, um, you know, that the you know the general um, consensus in the community, you know, there was some frustration there. Um, you know, sort of, um, you know, the professional tennis players, international tennis players, a little bit entitled, if you like. And, um, you know, but I think there was just sort of a miscommunication there. Um, a lot of the players didn't understand what would happen if there were some positive cases on those planes. And I think that's where the the anger was coming from, mostly, um, from their point of view. But I think, it, you know, the dust has sort of settled a lot in the past, you know, week. Um, you know, those guys and girls are getting out of their quarantine at their hotels in the neck well, starting tonight here in Australia. So, um, you know, it's, it's really settled down. I think everyone, you know, the, the majority of people are very thrilled to have an opportunity to, um, you know, play outside of a bubble, um, you know, for the Australian open and uh, the lead up events next week. And um, I think, you know, the community, of you know, a few, you know, probably last week were a little bit angry, but now, with the Australian Open on the eve, um, you know, I think everyone's just looking forward to watching some tennis and um, hopefully we'll have some crowds. So, you know, since professional tennis has um, returned, if you like, there hasn't been many crowds. So I'm, I'm hoping, you know, the Australian Open is going to run smoothly.
1: I want to take this conversation back just a few years. Uh, you said you were brought up Junior Davis Cup. I remember kind of my breakthrough into the juniors a little bit, seeing Luke Seville play Philippe Peliwu. in finals of grand slams dominating kind of take us through that process for you you know where you were basically dominating juniors representing australia um and then the transition to professional tennis
2: yeah yeah it was um you know obviously it hasn't um, gone as smoothly um as i would have liked you know the last you know seven eight years since um you know coming out of the juniors into the professional ranks it's it's been difficult um it's you know, it's very obviously I get asked the question quite a bit. I was number one in the world junior, I won a couple of junior grand slams and got to one fifty um, ATP and couldn't quite make that breakthrough and now I'm sitting at three seventy and um, you know, sort of treading a little bit of water in the in the rankings a little bit. Um and you know, it's just been difficult. I, I go back to um, you know, potentially I wasn't quite ready to to make that transition into the professional ranks, whether it was uh, I don't think mentally, I think mentally as a 17, 18 year old, I was quite mature. Um, you know, potentially just in my game, technical, um, tactical, whatever it might've been, just to make that next step, um, you know, professionals, men, they really expose, um, you know, holes in your game if you've got any. And, um, you know, potentially I had a few of those and couldn't quite make that transition. Um, I started to have a run at it when I got to my career high at one hundred and fifty. um, I qualified in one around at, at Wimbledon, um, lost to Dimitrov there, beat Fiam, who was, you know, fairly fresh on tour at the time. I think he was 70 in the world and, uh, and then had a back injury, which kept me out for a few months, but by no means an excuse. Um, uh, but that was, that was untimely for sure. But, um, it's, you know, it's funny, you know, I feel like I'm 26, almost 27 in a few days at 370, but I feel like I'm playing some of the best tennis, mm. um, in my career. And, um, I've had some success in the in the doubles um, as of late in the past couple of years, but I feel like our improvements have just um, you know they've shown on the doubles court, and you know I'm hoping um, some of those um, improvements will show on the singles court um, in the future.
0: yeah, how do you balance that right now? I know it's a question you get a lot, but i, I you and I talked. I think about a year and a half ago, when you were in Max were having such a great run in 2019, I think we talked in Winnetka, if memory serves, and, and you, you felt that this was, you know, the double success was great, but you were still valued yourself as a singles player. How do, you, how do you kind of balance that now when your opportunities at the doubles level is, it's so great in terms of the finances and it's a lot different than what you might get at the challenger futures level for a singles player?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, Mike. Um, it's it's very tricky. I think when we chatted, I was still, you know, barely inside the top hundred in, in doubles, um, and now I'm sitting at 37. So, it's another conversation again. I, you know, I can guarantee myself basically in every um, doubles tour event, Masters, Grand Slam now, which is obviously great financially. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, it's a, an expensive sport to travel um, with expenses and and Aussie as well, you know, a lot of um, plane tickets and accommodation and whatnot and to bring coaches away so um, you know, there's definitely that cherry there for me to um, pursue the doubles and and go full time into that but, you know, sort of the way I look at it is, um, you know I'm only this age, Um, I only can have a crack at singles um, right now if I decide to go doubles and then I I say in a few years, damn I wish, you know I I, I stayed with the singles Um, You know, definitely could be too late so um, it's definitely a tricky one. And then in terms of training, um, I'm still training predominantly singles and really working hard at my game. Um, but it just gets interesting when I have the ATP Cup, you know, in, in a few days. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm obviously in that team for doubles. So the last couple of weeks, um, John Peers and myself have been trying to fine tune our chemistry and, and play quite a few doubles, practice sets and whatnot. And so it's just, you know, it's just that balancing act right now. Um, but, you know, the passion still very much with the singles as well. I, I love singles. Um, I think it's a, a true test of of tennis. Um, you know, doubles. You know, sometimes you can play a match and you sort of, you know, the match is gone just like that. You, mm-hmm. you don't really know what's happened. Whereas singles, it's um, the ultimate test of movement, um, mentality. Um, you know, sometimes it drags two, three, four hours. So, um, you know, I feel like it's the ultimate test. But I'm enjoying trying to balance both singles and doubles right now.
1: For some of the listeners, just to explain, um, kind of you spoke about the balance, but with your ranking being about 300 spots apart or so, explain how you have to give up, you know, deciding whether the next week you go play qualifying event or do you play doubles and how that works. And, you know, you say that, you know, the passion's there for singles, but not that you would necessarily have to give it up, but not necessarily that you wouldn't get back there very quickly but you can't maintain both. I mean, it gets very difficult with, you know, you want to progress your ranking. You want to get those points. And especially in doubles, the points are extremely top heavy. You know, what is that like for you to really choose between tournaments? Do I go play challenger, even qualities of a challenger, or do I go play a masters 1000?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's been difficult. Um, You know, it's a funny one because Max and I, Max Purcell and myself, we made the final of the Australian open and went from roughly 80 to where I am now 40. And, and then basically the tour stopped. So it's been, um, I haven't really had a real crack at dealing with those situations you're referring to Um, when the tour restarted and, uh, you know, came over for the U S open Cincinnati and then went on to Europe. uh, There are a few situations where we were still entering singles most weeks and um, you know, very difficult. Um, You know, we played, um, you know, sometimes doubles can start quite late and, uh, you know, we bombed out. Sort of, we lost our matches on the Thursday and Friday, and then we found out we we're in Qualies on Saturday in a completely different city. So that happened uh, three or four times where I snuck in, and it's uh, and, and Max his rankings a little bit higher than my, myself, and um, he had a few um, more situations like that. And it's really not easy rocking up to a different city, completely different conditions the night before, even the morning of. That happened a couple of times, and really gearing up to play singles when you know, obviously there's not many expectations, but these guys are coming up against, they're predominantly for singles and I've been preparing, getting used to the conditions, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's definitely, um, you know, like you said, it's going to be um, a decision where, you know, eventually I might have to make and commit fully to doubles. Um, But, you know, in my eyes, if, you know, the calendar um, returns to some sort of normality, um, I feel like I can mix in, a few challenges here and there, um, potentially a couple of futures. Um, and, and like you said, hopefully, um, you know, post a few results, um, on the doubles to sustain that ranking, um, around where I am. Um, and then hopefully try and get my ranking, my singles ranking, you know, hopefully inside two fifty where I can go play a tour event heavy schedule where I can guarantee myself doubles most weeks and then sneak into a lot of qualities as well. Mm. Um, but it's um it's a very tricky situation, um, no doubt. A lot of
1: people don't know kind of the jump. You know, I, I refer to it as a jump. It's kind of making inside 75, possibly just breaking into the top 100. You know, you haven't seen in singles. You got very close to it. And I joke around all the time that it's one of the most impossible things to do, and I haven't done it yet. Um, but talk about it for doubles. You know, what does it take to make that initial breakthrough? Because I'm not looking at the numbers here, but it's something like six hundred and forty thousand points or something like that. Yeah,
0: I just just <laughs> before before you answer that, just so player or, or fans get a, an idea, you and Max won seven challenger titles in 2019. Your ranking went from the beginning of the year to 120. When you came into the Australian Open last year, you were at 82. I mean, that's a 38 spot jump after winning seven challenger titles. This is which before Australia. That's that's crazy to me.
2: Yeah, that's some good stats there, Mike. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was definitely it was very difficult. I remember when we were trying to break inside the hundred, and uh, we we had to win a challenger, and we did to break inside. I think we moved from maybe roughly sort of 101 102 to 99 and we won a challenger so um something like that and it was difficult because um like noah was referring to there's just there's just so many points in doubles um a lot of guys because of the um i guess the effect on the body you can play um basically every single week and Mm -hmm. a lot of doubles guys do so um it's you know a lot of guys are you know putting points on the board and it's very difficult to make that uh, to make that transition. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, we felt we felt like we were playing a really high level at challenges and um, the few opportunities we got at Grand Slams, um, you know, mainly just wild cards into the Australian Open each year, we weren't far off making, you know, making some noise at that next level and, um, you know, eventually came uh, last year at the Australian Open. We got a wild card and, um, and obviously took that opportunity. Um, but... It just showed that, uh, like Noah was referring to, that the challenger, the challenger level is is very difficult. There's a lot of very tough players, and they're, they're very hungry. Um, you know, to break inside that top hundred, there's really a hundred spots for you know a thousand very 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 good players. So, uh, and the doubles very much the same. So now that you know that big result, we've sort of um, we've broken through. We're in the 40s now, and then I guess that next level um, is just as tough. So. It's um, there's no real secrets there. It's just you know keeping your head down, working hard, you know all those sorts of um, things that you hear every day. Um, yeah, but hopefully, but, um, but Sav, I'm going to yeah. interrupt
0: you here because you you and I as we're we're in a fantasy football league uh, together, <laughs> um, with with a lot of double specialists, um, and you know I, I think about some guys like like Robert Galloway and um, Nate Lamons, I mean some of these guys who are y- y- you know. You've you've been with them at the challenger level the last you know, a couple of years ago and and you know they're they're close. I watched you at the US Open playing Kravitz and and Mies, who a couple of years before were at that challenger level. How do we get it so that there are more opportunities for these guys who are one ten? You know the difference isn't that big from one ten to seventy-five. How do we get it so that there are more of them who are at least able to have some more opportunities?
2: It's it's tough, Mike. Um, obviously, it's uh, especially with the tour right now, with the prize money sort of um, not at an ideal, um, you know, situation as well, and, and not many challenges out. on. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah, look, I I really don't know. I, I you know probably you guys have more of an idea, but it was it was very difficult winning challenges some weeks, and you know walking away pretty much breaking even um, when we were doing that. It's just it's really really tough at the challenger level um, you know like I said it's very very competitive and the players are really really good and that's why you see so many um, so many times so many situations when uh, you know challenger um, hardened players they get a bit of a uh, you know they might get a wild card into a tour event or into a grand slam and you see them break through because their level is very good and the challenger the tough and that jump is, you know, not as big as what it seems. So, it's uh, obviously there's, there's much more money um, at the Grand Slams and the Tour events. Uh, there's no secret there, and um, you know, it's just if we could find a way for more players to make a living. Obviously, that's um, the first priority. Um, and uh, but you know, with with COVID right now, um, it, you know, this year is looking very very suspect. Yeah. Um, And it's just a really, really tough time for professional tennis players, um, to put it nicely. And um, hopefully, you know, we can just, I guess, get on top of this situation worldwide and um, the tour returns to some sort of, um, you know, normality like it was a couple of years ago. I don't want to ask you more questions about doubles to make you feel like a double specialist, but you've been on both sides
1: of it. And I think it's a unique situation. I want to hear this question because you've been on both sides is the idea your opinion of the idea that you know doubles players are second class tennis players you know you hear this a lot it's the locker room people say it you know on twitter or whatever the case may be kind of give your opinion on that and how that's affected kind of the marketing of doubles and the expansion of it
2: yeah yeah obviously i hear that a lot and um yeah i think that takes away from um from the product um of of doubles but you know i'm of the belief that um doubles is a very um unique and, and and tough skill to um to perfect. Um a lot of the guys um what they do is um is very, you know, very tough to master. So um I, I personally really like watching doubles. I really enjoy it. Um I think it's um you know fast and exciting and the short format um is, is very good for the fans. Um like I mentioned earlier, um and I think singles is the ultimate test. Um, and you've got to be such a good athlete these days to play singles tennis. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think doubles, you know, what the guys can do up at the net. Um, and obviously, it's it's very cutthroat um, from week to week as well. And, um, you know, a lot of matches are decided in a couple of points. So I think that's great for the viewing. Um, you know, I watched a lot of the matches when Max Purcell and myself were in London um, as an alternate end of last year. And um, I really enjoy watching it. And I think if we can keep promoting doubles... Um, that's obviously um, would be great for tennis um, but there's obviously uh, a lot of other issues as well um, you know like creating more more jobs and opportunities for more yeah. players um, and really promoting that um, that challenger level because you know as, as Mike knows I, I've played a lot of the ones in the states and, and you guys do a great job um, but it's just it's very tough to sustain playing challenges you know unless you go well in those weeks um, if you're investing in yourself and bringing um, a decent support team, it's really tough to sort of make money um, and at the end of the day, that's, you know, kind of what we need to do. So um, it's, you know, it's a very tricky situation doubles and um, the challenger level. How Believe did you me, I know it? No, Go I ahead. know it's tough because Mike's
1: basically my support system now and it's, <laughs> it's been super difficult for me. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'm the, I'm the best coach he's got though right now. So yeah. it's, it's a real shame.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um,
0: Sav as, as we start to wrap up here, um, obviously the ATP cup, as you mentioned at the outset, I know it's a big moment for you, um, and and kind of, I don't want to say culmination because there's so much left in your career to go. How how do you appreciate this moment while also preparing for uh, the the gravity of the moment?
2: Yeah, thanks, Mike. It's um, you know it's obviously an enormous um, opportunity for me, and um, you know it's four or five days out from you know playing that first match on Tuesday night against Spain, which is probably one of the tougher draws. So. You know, I I feel like, you know, when I sit here and just, you know, realise what it's, um, you know, how it's sitting with me, I, I'm very comfortable. Um, I'm very excited to, to have that opportunity. Um, you know, sure, um, you know, really my first representative um, opportunity for Australia. There's, there's going to be some nerves out there, but if there wasn't, there's probably something a little bit wrong with me. Um, <laughs> but I'm I'm really enjoying playing with Piersy right now. Yeah. Um, he brings um, a nice energy on the doubles court and, you know, having Leighton on the side, you know, it's definitely going to feel like a Davis Cup atmosphere. Um, hopefully we can get a few um, few people in the stands as well. Um, but just just super excited, very uh, very confident um, and comfortable with all the work I've done. Um, feel like the game. Uh, we've definitely shrunk a lot of the um, – a lot of cracks in my game um, and just very, very confident that it's going to, you know, hold up, um, you know, under those circumstances. So just really looking forward to the opportunity.
0: I've always been over the last several years. I mean, I, I know I've gotten to know you and Tomo and and some of those players, and I've always been so impressed with Sav with, um, you know, I mentioned st- watching you at the U S open this year and I was sitting with Tomo for a while and then storm and Ellen came by and there is such a, a maybe like an us against the world type mentality um, that really kind of shows in the Davis Cup as well. Um, can can you kind of explain that to to especially to us Americans that, that that idea of pride, so much pride in Australian tennis that you guys all seem to have?
2: Yeah, I think so. Mike. I mean, even even like this week under these strange circumstances here in Australia, everyone's um, down here in Melbourne and we're sort of training all together. And um, there's definitely just a strong bond uh, within Australian tennis. I think probably being so isolated. We, we do feel like it's us against the world a little bit. Um, but, you know, we have a lot of American friends, a lot of, a lot of British friends as well. Um, but we do definitely get around each other. And if we're playing events um, internationally and there are Australians in the draw, it, good chances are you'll find them in the stands supporting mm-hmm. each other. And um, I can't really compare it to you guys. I'm not really sure what the dynamics are like. But, yeah, we all just get along really well with each other. Um you know, even if we, you know, train in different cities, different states here in Australia, when we do get together at tournaments, it's just, you know, it's kind of like we haven't left each other and we can kind of kick it off and, and practice and, and whatnot. And um, that's, uh, you know, boys and girls um, on tour. So um, I, I really enjoy that. You know, I feel like, you know, us Aussies, we stick together. Um, but um, I think it's a nice way to travel as well, knowing that you've got, um, you know, some friends and, and whatnot. And, and most likely you have some support in the stands when, um, it can be pretty it can be pretty lonely out there.
0: I know you and I talked via WhatsApp in I think uh, maybe October or so, Sav, and you were just talking about how difficult it was to go from city to city and different quarantine to different quarantine. And I'm asking this as an American, and I, I know Noah and I have talked about this a lot. Do you in Australia, do you have any appreciation for how lucky you guys are to just be able to like live life? Right now, I know there were a lot of hard sacrifices that were made to to do it. But do you under like I I, I haven't seen my family, my friends for months. Uh, the only person I friend I've seen is effing Noah Rubin. It's terrible, uh, and, and I just wonder if you if you yeah. and other Australians just have that
2: appreciation
0: for how hard you've worked and, and what it means to just live life right now.
2: Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, you know, Melbourne, um where I live, did it fairly hard there for a while. Right. It was the, the strictest lockdown um in the world. Um and that went for I think four or five months. Um yeah, we we definitely see what's happening over there and in and in Europe and um you know our hearts go out to all you guys. Um, you know, we just hope you get on top of it as, as soon as possible. Um and and then obviously the tour, but you know, most importantly the, the health and safety of, you know, all the people there. So Um, You know, we're, we're, you know, we do feel lucky. We're we're living life reasonably normal here. Um, You know, most of the state borders are open. Um, We can play the Australian Open with crowds, which is definitely a big thing. Um, You know, within Australia, it's been very comfortable. Um, Travelling is going to be um, going to be interesting as soon as we leave um, and then coming back in with a hard quarantine. Um, So that's probably, um, you know, the hard quarantine is, um probably our biggest um i guess defense right now from from covid so um that that's been good um to keep it out i guess um and but yeah i mean we we all see what's happening in the states um and we just hope you guys can um get on top of covid um sooner rather than later um and get those get those numbers down
0: yeah us too (laughs)
3: <laughs>
0: uh well well our best to uh your your lovely dog uh dasha as well i'm i'm a big fan of her jewelry and i i you know i i've got a six-year-old i've got to pick something up from dasha at some point for my six-year-old i, I think she'll love it
2: <laughs> nah thanks thanks a lot for having me on guys really, thanks, um, really appreciate it big fan
0: all right thanks and uh good Talk luck with ATP best cup. of luck thanks now okay. cheers
1: The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at BehindTheRacket. Expect new
0: episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.